Welcome to Balletas for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this Netflix and Dill episode, we are discussing two new streaming docu-series about the directors behind some of indie cinema's most beloved and infamous films. First up, four C-grade directors are given the chance to direct their dream projects in Vice Studio and Vasan Bala's Cinema Marte Dum Talk, streaming now on Amazon Prime. Then an all-star cast of Talking Heads discuss the careers of iconic Bollywood directors Yash and Aditya Chopra and their studio Yash Raj films in Smitri Mundra's The Romantics, streaming now on Netflix. Before we begin, we would like to respectively acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. It's our first scoop in a while. <laughs> our first scoop? Yeah, we're doing this one early. Yes. Yes, uh, so we had the opportunity to see the first two episodes of The Romantics. There's four overall, so unfortunately this episode we're not actually discussing the whole series. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just going to kind of discuss what we thought about the first two episodes. I think the rest comes out of Valentine's Day, right? Yes, the rest yeah. is coming out today, the, like the day this episode is being launched, today. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, You'll know more than us by the time you actually listen to it, probably. Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next two episodes, but I think we have a good sense of the show from the first two. Yeah, we could see how it's set up, you know? Yeah, and it just so happened uh, that news of the romantics dropped while we were working on our next episode on Cinema Marte Dumtak, uh, which these two series have a surprising amount, or maybe not a surprising amount, it was just surprising that they came out so close together mm -hmm. uh, and they have a lot in common they've, they've come out of less than a month apart from one another and they're both about uh, behind the scenes of making movies in uh, in Mumbai um, but very different perspectives of filmmaking and very different kinds of movies so it just seemed natural the way things kind of lined up in our schedule to put these two shows together. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, we have a review, Matt. Wow. Someone wants a Biffle point. Yes. Uh, this review came back in December, but just with the way our schedule kind of worked out. Uh, we're only getting to read it now, but uh, please know it's very appreciated. Mm -hmm. uh, so this came from Rakesh KT, Apple Podcast India. And Rakesh KT says, pleasant. Five stars, always pleasant to listen to. There we go. Yeah. That's all we ever wanted to be, honestly, is pleasant. Yes. Insightful? Who knows? <laughs> but Pl pleasant, sure. Yeah, uh, good at pronouncing pleasant. things? Nope, that's not going to happen. But nope. pleasant, I like to think that we can be pleasant. <laughs> so, Rakesh, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, so, yes, Rakesh KT, please uh, drop us a line on Twitter or if you can find us on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and we will get you your Biffle point. And if you want to be cool, like Rakesh KT, yeah. leave us a review and you can also you can also receive a Biffle point. It's the only legal way to do so. It, there are illegal ways to do so as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You don't even know. Uh, so, yeah. Should we, should we get into Cinema Marte Dumb Talk? Sure. It is six episodes. It debuted on January 17th on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, Vasambala is one of the executive producers. He is not the only executive producer. Uh, and it's produced by Vice Studios. Now, uh, we, we go back a long ways with Vice. Vice is Canadian. Vice started in Canada, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it started off as basically like the free newspaper in Montreal. And it was The Voice at that time. Yeah. But they took the O off 
and then kind of exploded into a giant media empire. Uh, mm-hmm. I were, I kind of became aware of it because we don't live in Montreal, obviously. But uh, your brother actually mm-hmm. had the vice guy to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I read that at his house. I one think time. he also had the the like do's and don'ts on how to dress. Yeah. yeah. And um, when I was in university, I think I bought the vice guy to travel, which yeah, it's a really interesting documentary at the time. Uh, I'll always remember. Oh, I forget his name, but one of the founders, not Shane Smith, the other guy, the Indian guy, he goes to Afghanistan to mm-hmm. investigate what it's like. This was during the war. Yeah. To investigate what the Taliban were like. And he was like, these guys are sitting in caves. They're melting their own lead down to make bullets. We can never beat them. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're just the toughest people in the world. I think it's Sarush Alvi is his name. I'm looking at it. But anyway, um, it, I mean, you could you could probably call Vice exploitative in some ways, mm-hmm. um, especially in the travel stuff. In, Sarush Alvi. Sarush yes. Alvi, yeah. yeah. Um, in the travel stuff and in uh, like the, um, I guess you would probably call it creep shots now, but one of the things in the magazine was always just taking pictures of random people outside and making fun of their clothes. Mm-hmm. Like it was early internet kind of before people realized that society existed. Yeah. So I always really loved in the fashion spreads, it would tell you everything that the model was wearing, even if it wasn't in the picture. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, uh, it also birthed one of the worst far right uh, things in the world. So because Kevin McInnes Mm -hmm. with Vice, he 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 was also one of the founders. Yeah. He started the Proud Boys, basically. So like they, I, I would say that they have kind of a checkered history, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of allegations of like financial malfeasance and stuff. Like, it's an interesting media company and hard to start your own. But nowadays, you're more likely to see like Maddie Matheson, an extremely annoying Canadian <laughs> chef, uh, like on one of their cooking shows. Yeah. Or you would follow um, ID, which is another magazine they bought that was sort of like high fashion and tech or motherboard like their their tech news stuff like they have a lot of verticals let's say and then yeah. vice studios uh i've always meant to watch this show this other one that um that they did called uh dark side of the ring mm-hmm. because it's uh jason eisner remember him mm-hmm. the guy who did hobo with a shotgun mm-hmm. he did seasons of this show which is looking at a subculture not unlike what's in cinema marte dumb talk uh professional wrestling in the 70s and 80s this i would say that this show is probably a lot milder on the extreme content thing but that was basically their deal at the time when they started was like here's some messed up stuff well yeah and i think vice had a huge impact on us in growing up in the 90s and early 2000s i remember you had a subscription to the magazine yeah well Um, i would go get it at the record store yeah a place that used to exist and they really like they always kind of made comments about how they actually hated people having subscriptions and hated sending it to people. Yeah. Um, but and, the CDs that came with that, yeah, uh, you can actually point to a significant amount of my musical taste, probably like early 2000s stuff. That's stuff I learned about from Vice Magazine. Yeah, but it's just interesting, um, I think, just to realize kind of how long Vice has kind of had an impact on our media taste from this magazine coming out of Montreal to kind of just becoming this huge media conglomerate and it I was always, the coolest thing in the world I it think. was like yeah. for a while it was basically the best thing you could possibly 
be into. Yeah. And now I always think it's really interesting whenever I come across a Vice article and I'm reading it. I find I like, for some odd reason, all the Vice articles I end up reading these days online all come from Vice UK. Yeah. I think Vice UK is still a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, but also, they kind of lost their edge, I would say. Yeah. Because a lot of it would be dumb stuff like, I ate a whole bag of Haribo gold bears and then pooped my pants. Well, and like also... Just sending basically 20-year-olds out to do dumb shit. Yeah. And get in trouble. Well, and also when I think about, like, I, I loved the Vice style do's and don'ts. Like, I thought mm -hmm. that book was hilarious. But now when I think back on it, it was like they were sometimes making fun of people experiencing homelessness and things yes. like that. Things I think people I would find... Mental disabilities. Disgusting nowadays, but... You know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, it did kind of seem edgy. Like, mm -hmm. we've, we've come a long way. So all of this tangent is just to say it's it's kind of, I think, interesting for us. Um, like, Vice has never really gone away for us, but we're not as invested in what they're putting out as we used to be. No, in high school uh, and early university, I read it all the time. Yeah. And now so, it's just sort of you come across it on Facebook of all places. Yeah. And so it's just kind of interesting. Um for this to kind of just feel a bit like it's a full circle moment for, for us. We're like, oh, we're discussing a, a Vice Studios show on our podcast. Yeah, um, but it totally makes sense for them to do it. It does make sense. And I will say, despite, you know, kind of some of the some of the things that we've brought up about Vice magazine, um, there's none of that here in this show. Like, I, I don't think this show is... I didn't find this show really problematic or anything. No, I mean, we'll get into it when they start talking about sort of the way that sex work intervenes with yeah. uh the filmmaking but i would say that this like for this is actually a very like kind of sweet and yeah enjoyable portrayal of a weird subculture yeah. uh so the show stars vinod talwar dilip kulati kishan shah and jay neelam those are the four directors that it kind of centers on mm -hmm. uh and then there's also kanti shah kishan, the villain <laughs> kishan shah's brother and very much the villain of the piece uh sapna sapu who is a um actress who is in kind of one of the films that they're making and also uh yeah she's in kishan in, shah's movie yeah it was in a lot of the secret films um and arjun kapoor shows up kind of randomly and I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> so, I don't really know what he brought to the table, don't, honestly. Yeah, don't really know what he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, I would have rather had Vasambala show up. Yeah. Because you can tell that Vasambala is interested in pulp yes. and genre material and I think he might have been a more interesting person to uh, lead the discussion. Yes, yes. Um, so over the course of these six episodes, um, Vinay Tawar, Dilip Kulati, Kishan Shah, and Jay Neelam uh, both talk about uh, what it was like to make films in kind of the late 80s to the early 2000s. We're looking at a period of kind of a decade, as well as they get the opportunity to make a film again. They mm -hmm. used to be kind of some of the biggest uh, kind of, they call them C-grade films in in this show, I think for us it's very like grindhouse stuff, but they're yeah. kind of single screen. Uh, they would play at single screen theaters. It would be like uh, like drive-ins in the south of yeah. the states or Forty Second Street in yeah. New York, just like pretty grimy stuff. But and like, we play largely like Indian grimy though. Yeah, and we play <laughs> largely to like workers and the lower classes who are just kind of interested in. 
um, jerking ex- off in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, an yeah. exciting, sensational timeout. They're not. Yeah. A, they're not interested in high art. And so this film kind of not film. This show kind of goes between um, the history of this era and these. Um, filmmakers and the people that were involved in making these movies and how they went about it, the highs and the lows, and them making short films. They're not feature-length films, but them making short films in present day, getting this opportunity to uh, express themselves creatively again. And so the show follows them from like picking up their scripts, casting the, the films, shooting them and music, then eventually music fully yeah. editing like everything. and then eventually there's a big premiere and so i kind of like a premiere that none of these people would ever have for any of their movies yeah they, they tell us that uh these movies were like built to be on screen for a week yeah. maybe two if you're pushing it because the police would raid the theater yeah and, and s- essentially the idea was they'd make this movie and then they'd leave it up to the distributor and the theater. <laughs> hey, there's some hardcore bits. You can put them in there if you want and make more money. And then the theater owner takes the responsibility for getting arrested if the cops show up and the distributor and the pr- directors are you know, not involved. Well, that's something that comes out kind of over the course of the fourth this, episode. Yeah, over the course of the series. It kind of starts out fairly sweet. And then over the course of the series, um, you just kind of see how... Part like why this era of filmmaking declined, or what what filmmakers started to have to resort to within this era of filmmaking to try and stay relevant, even though like they were becoming increasingly obsolete. Well, it's really interesting because like this is a snapshot of like late eighties, early nineties. Access to recording technology Mm -hmm. becomes better, and as we'll see in the Romantics kind of middle-class people have fled the movie theater. Yeah. And, like, more violent movies and more sexy movies are kind of what's in vogue. So it's like a brief window in which, like, these people who, when they say the Yash Chopra came from nowhere and was nothing, like, these people, like, they're on a whole other planet. They they were not filmy families. They had no connections. Well, yeah, except for, like... Kishin Shah. Uh, Kishin Shah. Yeah. Kishin Shah. That's, like, that's a bit like Ash yeah, Chopra and B.R. Chopra. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like referencing the Ramsey brothers as like, those are like the big dogs in our industry. Yeah. Like, wow. Like the Ramseys were not, yeah. um, you know, a big deal. They were a big deal commercially, but no one would have taken them as seriously as artistic people at the time. And the Ramseys, the Ramsey brothers were making films earlier than, than this yeah. group. What kind of, what's so fascinating. It's a cool window though. Like, yeah. Well, and what's so fascinating to me is that that it's like it's late 90s to early 2000s but these movies look like they come out of the 70s and yeah, 80s they look like the early ramses yeah or they're on 60 millimeter they, that gets blown up so it kind of gives you that look yeah or it looks like hollywood grindhouse right like yeah. it's interesting um when a year would come up when some of these movies came out and then i would think like, about no like way. How, how's that 2002 well exactly and then i would think about some of the stuff that like we were going to see in theaters as yeah. teenagers i'm just like it's it's wild to think of this kind of stuff being made on the other side of the world so it's a lot of like they're like exploitation films right so it's a lot of um movies about gangsters that exploit women Jackowitz. yeah a lot of sex and violence 
monsters. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. Like the horror genre, the whole, the kind of the whole gamut of like what you would get in an exploitation film. Yeah. A lot of sexual assault. Yeah, I mean that's also in American exploitation yeah. films and Canadian exploitation films. It's literally exploitation. But this, um, this kind of thing that you talk about, where they would shoot the film and then they would also shoot some the hard, bits they say yeah some yeah. hardcore scenes uh, with other actors I, 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 then, and when they, they talk about it I can't even imagine like it's full on hardcore like yeah, I feel like it's probably I, softcore I, compared to what and we, we would understand here in the we West. don't see yeah. any of these bits yeah uh, but when they talk about also filming those sections that then can be um, spliced in sometimes it seems like the filmmakers are aware that this is happening other times the yeah. filmmakers are like it's clear they're that really mad like, they're really mad about it they don't actually know yeah. that this is happening um, or they're aware that's happening but they're not a part of it Jane Neelam seemed like she was totally like I shot those yes and she would totally understand what her job was yes. whereas you know Talwar was like I was an artist and yeah. they would pervert my vision but like this is all after the fact you could just say whatever you want yeah but like it, it, it's left kind of ambiguous as to what they what they knew and how much they involved themselves and yeah, yeah. But we, it's interesting but we're aware of those kinds of things happening within the the grindhouse era in, yeah. in, in Hollywood in the 70s and 80s as well you made a you made a point that like thriller they call her one eye does this exact Thing. Yeah, you could buy the. I remember when I bought the DVD, they yeah. had the uncensored and the like, not censored. I guess the original and uncensored. Yeah. And and it is different actors in those scenes. Yeah, that I, I bought the original version because yeah. I wanted kind of the Christina Lundberg stuff, and I'd heard that like, oh, the porno scenes are just kind of like here's a bunch of weird porno stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the yeah. movie. And that's kind of what this sounds like, too. Yes. And that's a thriller they call her when I um, is a big inspiration for uh, Quentin Tarantino. The, yeah. Um, Daryl Hannah's character in, in Kill Bill is very much And a, the bride herself, yeah. It, yeah, is very much a copy yeah. to thriller they call her when I... Um, do you want to do you want to say what the movies are? I think I can remember all, off the top. Of yeah, head. sure. Okay, so Vinod Talwar, he's like the horror guy, mm -hmm. and I feel like I would probably enjoy his actual movies, like his old ones, better. Because mm. it's like here's a Wolfman, or here's a Bigfoot, and he's trying to get some girl. Uh, he's making a movie called Bloodsuckers. <laughs> he's which, been waiting years to make this. My main criticism <laughs> of this series is that we don't get to see the shorts. Right. Uh, they look to be maybe ten minutes long. We get to see a little bit of a timestamp as uh, Dilip Galati finishes his. But, like, you, you're teasing us, right? Like, yeah. put these out somewhere. Put them on YouTube. I looked on the Amazon Prime Video India YouTube. I looked on Prime itself. Like, that should just be another episode, right? Like, give us... We saw Instead the of a the round scenes. table with Arjun Kapoor. Yeah, that last episode should have just been, let's see the show. Yeah. Uh, but he's making bloodsuckers, and it appears to be a man and a woman... The man is a vampire, and then the woman eventually becomes a vampire. It's kind of tough to tell. Yeah, we don't entirely know the plots of all these movies. Yeah. Like, when we get to Jane Elims, I have... I have no idea what it is. Galati, his one's called Jungle Girl. <laughs> okay, this is, to... I think, maybe the one I most want to see. It's a little It seems charming. Uh, it just seems like it has really fun, goofy dance sequences. Yeah. It looks like it's like a federal agent <laughs> who infiltrates some sort of tribal society. Yeah. That appears to be what they do, like... You know, in the States, they would have, like, here's a, a country girl or a Cajun girl or a swamp girl or something. Yeah. Like, here, it's like, well, here's the tribal people. Yeah. That's that's why they're they're not wearing very many clothes. They're tribal. 
Um, the goofiest costume. Yeah, Kishin Shaw, he's doing one about a mistress that becomes a witch. His looks pretty good. His it, is like an... So he um, casts Sapna, uh, who uh, we had previously seen yeah. in Udon, because they all go see Angur, yeah. uh, which... We're told this means grapes. Grapes, um, aka titties. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think maybe they could have used a larger fruit, but um, yeah, I'm just mel- saying. Why not melons? Yeah, Sapna's got melons, not grapes. Yeah, Anyways, those uh, are not grapes. <laughs> she's and she's quite a figure throughout the series. She does a lot of talking heads. Uh, she's fascinating, and so I think mm. because of her presence, that's one of the reasons why I would, I think, maybe most want to see his short. Also, it just seems to have a really interesting relationship between Sapna and the other actress. And they fight in a mud pit. Well, and that, like <laughs> there's some interesting special effects that we see, like some, yeah. not like monster effects, but just kind of the way that they get across, like, the violence seems really and the interesting. the witch powers, like I don't know, that one... Incomprehensible, though, like, what is the movie about? I want to see it. Yeah. If it's only seven minutes long, like, let me watch it. But but it looked cool. Yeah. I don't know. And then Jay Neelam's Jay Neelam, it looks uh, like it's like a sapphic kind of girls' school, and there's a guy there who's a rapist. Like, it looks like women rising up against the patriarchy, and she's in it, too. Oh, yeah. So maybe kind of like what we would see, like, like women in prison movies or, like, yeah. naughty schoolgirl movies. But she's the most direct about, like, yep, this is the rape scene. Uh, yeah. When they're casting women for the role, it's like, yep, there's going to be a rape scene. You're going to be okay with that? And the one girl's like, uh, I prefer this uh, rate, this kind of bold scene to yeah. uh, one where I have to wear a bikini because I'm fully clothed. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, that is technically true. A rape scene you don't necessarily need to be naked for, but it could be somewhat more harmful for you mentally. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to tell her what to do. Yeah. But Neelam is the most hard-ass kind of like, yeah, we, we shot nudie cuties, basically. We shot stuff that uh, Russ Meyer would like. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's interesting. I, I appreciate that not all the directors are men. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay, Leenum, Jay Neelam is fascinating, um, but I really don't know what to make about the film that she wants to make. I guess now that I think more about kind of those like, yeah, those like women in prison movies, certainly the rape revenge genre, or like, yeah, the like kind of naughty schoolgirl stuff. That's never really been. I guess I like some of the women in prison stuff, but that's never really been a lot of my interest in kind of the grindhouse genres that you have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're all like, I think that's one of the big problems with the series is that they don't make these shorts available because you do become quite invested in you them. You want to see what happens. Yeah. And you've been like, these are such interesting characters like not even just the directors but kind of everyone mm-hmm. that they they interview uh they interview the, way that the head of the the censor board they interview former head of the censor yeah, the board, former head of the censor who board made, who had a great idea about well that was a different head of the censor board but yeah well yeah the one they interview yes. is just kind of like a puritanistic kind of guy yeah but the yeah but one of the former heads of the censor board had um a great idea about kind of just kind of developing different classifications for some of this content. Yeah. And it's too bad it didn't go through. But you're right, that's not the one they interview. And it's it's what's so interesting about this window is it seems like 2004, 2005, 2006, six when these wear off, maybe like access to internet porn becomes more of a thing. Right. And there's no reason to go to a single screen movie theater. And yeah. they say the rise of the multiplex, mm-hmm. which, you know, we certainly heard a lot about. Yeah. Um, so like that almost goes back to uh, 
like the the Paramount Decision Days in the States where mm-hmm. you would have to block book your theater if you want the good movie, you also have to take some crappier ones. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to see kind of similar trends that, that we see in, in Western cinema happening in the Indian film industry, but just so much later. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not me trying to say that like Bollywood and Indian cinema is behind. It's just interesting to see kind of when those movements happen within well, a film culture. Again, I'm thinking... And there are a lot of factors as to why um, this kind of era is late 90s, early 2000s. I wish, I wish they would go a bit more yeah. into the kind of... The regulatory framework that they're working under. Yeah, the historical environment, the industry. um, I mean, they they do a bit, but I, just because of my interest in film history and understanding these things, I'd like a bit more of that. But think Um, about, like, 2001, 2002. um, So the Indian censors, if a movie from the West even showed up there, they must have had a very heavy hand. Yeah. Just because thinking of, I don't know, Titanic, that's got... You know, frontal well, nudity. Obviously, Hollywood movies were playing in India. But kind of, even, yeah. but like, they probably would have just censored that stuff out because what they're talking about is like, here's our bold scenes. For what was, for the history of Hollywood cinema up to that point, does not seem particularly bold. Right. Like, I can't imagine, I don't know, The Crying Game. <laughs> like, there's lots of movies where. Frontal nudity is a nudity is a big part of the movie, or rape scenes, or just love scenes. Stray like, dogs. Yeah, like a lot of movies that were straw dogs. Straw dogs, not stray dogs, but like stray dog is Curacao. It, it like what I kind of want to know more about is the history of the censor board, just because they're skirting the rules and making these movies yeah. that work for a a, a a week, and you can put some uh, nudity in there if you want. But, like, how did it deal with um, lots of big-time movies that the West would have sent over? Hmm. Probably pretty harshly. But I think it's also important to remember the audience that these movies are being made for. Yeah, it's directly for them. Yeah, it's being made for working-class audiences in India. So they're not necessarily... They're not going to watch Titanic. Well, exactly. They're not interested in going to see Hollywood movies, even if some of these Hollywood movies have some of these quote-unquote bolder scenes. They want something in their language that comes from... You don't need to read subs. Yeah, that comes from their culture that just, again, like is sensationalist, whether it's... Yeah. The women on display, the violence, the violence et cetera. Like, I, li- I really like the scene where, and I, like, I don't remember what movie they were talking about, but they said like everyone, all the guys in town for that whole week, yeah. <laughs> they had it memorized. Like they would do, do their jobs, be a rickshaw driver, sell ice cream or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's 2.07, time to go run to the movie theater and watch some nipples and then go back to work. Well, we saw a bit of that dramatized in um, The Dirty Picture with Silk Smitha, where yeah. kind of everyone will come in, watch the one scene. Like, it then... even seems like Silk Smitha was on a higher level than <laughs> these guys. Well, they even they talk about the Ramsey brothers being on a higher level than these guys. I yeah. do love how um, they're all really upfront about, like, we were in this for making money. Like, this was a way to support our families. This was a way yeah. to get our kids better education. It seems like a lot of them went to good education. schools. Yeah. Like, it's... They seem to... Like the exception don't. of Jane Neelam, who actually got a lot of her stuff stolen, mm. uh, like they kind of secured like just kind of a nice middle class life. 
And yeah, and they talk a bit about like artistry and creative vision, but even then they're still just like, nah, it came down to the money, it came down to what the audiences wanted, it came down to how cheaply we could make it and how much money it could make. That's certainly what Conti Shah's opinion was, and he seems to have been the most uh, financially successful of all these. He even worked with, uh, what, Darmendra, right? Yeah. In that one bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so... I, I mean, I always, I always enjoy kind of documentaries and, and behind the scenes about kind of um, grungy <laughs> uh, film cultures, your, your grindhouses, your exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I do think there are always some fantastic movies that come out of industries like that, Most of I always yeah. find it more interesting to watch the trailers, look at the posters, and hear the stories about making them. Yeah, um, like and the what's movie, in these like movies, Ed Wood, for instance. Yeah, than than to actually watch the movies. Yeah. So, I I really I really liked this show. I really appreciate it. Do you think it could be tightened up? I also personally would have liked a bit more, yeah, just a bit more context setting, a yeah. bit more background. Does it need to be five episodes and then a roundtable? Yeah. The round and, table, and I, I, don't, I don't know if the roundtable brought much the, to the table, oddly enough. I agree. I would really like to see these short films, even though I don't really want to see like the features they were making in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. I would like to see these short films. Apparently a lot of their stuff is on YouTube, like yeah. the original movies. Like yeah. Via, via legal, non-legal ways, but like, yeah, just Amazon, you know, put them up there. Let's, let's, I'm sure they would actually want their stuff to be seen by people too. Like they did all this work for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Actually get their movies out there so people can see them. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's a curious choice that like they don't factor into the show or that you can't kind of cue them up after. So if anyone knows where they are available or maybe they're still planning on releasing them um, and they're just like drumming up attention with the show before they release them. But I, I guess would... it's been about a month since it came out. So maybe that's part of the marketing strategy. I don't know. Yeah, I would like to see them. OK, I think we'll take a break there before we discuss the romantics. Get ready to take the guesswork out of choosing a school. Go to Edmonton Public Schools Open House. Meet the staff and ask your questions to learn about their schools and programs. Explore your options and find the school that feels right. Find event dates and learn how to make the most out of your visit at openhouse.epsb.ca. Know before you go and feel confident and excited when you get there. Calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The StoryHive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you're passionate about. You can get $20,000 in production funding, training and mentorship, and distribution on TELUS Optic TV and Stream Plus. If you live in BC or Alberta and you have an idea for a short documentary, now is the time to send in your pitch. Send in your application by February 28th at storyhive.com slash apply. Your story, your narrative. So next we have The Romantics. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a four-episode series that's dropping today, the day that this episode is being released, uh, on Netflix. Directed by Smitri Mundra, who is a documentarian known for A Suitable Girl, 
the short St. Louis Superman, which was nominated for Best uh, Documentary Short Subject at the Oscars, uh, as well as producing Indian Matchmaking, uh, which is a very popular show, very popular that we reality, haven't watched. Yeah, reality show on Netflix uh, that we have not watched, uh, but it takes you, it follows a, a woman who is known for her matchmaking and kind of sets up uh, potential Indian couples. I've heard a lot about the show and kind of reactions to the show, but I've actually never seen it myself. I mean, I don't really like reality TV at all, so I would never watch it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not... Yeah, I watch a little bit more reality TV than you do, but it's just kind of something I put on to paint my nails. Uh, so... Yeah, we, we haven't we haven't seen it, but I know it's I know it's quite popular. Uh, so the show is about the careers of Yash Chopra and his son Aditya Chopra, and so far, so far, and the uh, studio Yash Raj. Now, when we first started watching Bollywood films. I looked for Yash Raj because you know I didn't I didn't have a lot of understanding of what was going to be good, what was going to be worth my time. I didn't know the directors and kind of that Yash Raj logo showed up on a few things that I that I saw early on that I really really liked, and so that's kind of Yash Raj was one of my first gateways into Bollywood. I kind of mm -hmm. thought like oh these movies seem to be a cut above. They seem to have a lot of money good actors this is where the quality is and the more we've gotten into bollywood the more that kind of you know there are other studios and directors that i know now like dharma yes which i'm wondering how much they're going to go into that because karen johar is essentially poised as like the peter bogdanovich to yes chopra's <laughs> any number of guys but like you're John Ford or something John, yeah John Ford or Orson Welles totally Orson Welles yeah yeah so because he will leave and start his own company at some point yes because uh, as Matt as, as we said at the top of the show we've only seen the first two episodes so far um, but you know like I had a certain perception of of like one of my first perceptions of Bollywood was like was Yash Raj like that that was <laughs> capital B Bollywood. This a was... term that I do not think they have. They have not said the word Bollywood. No, over no. the first two episodes at all. Yes, but we know from the trailer that that term is going to come up and how people feel about it. But it's interesting considering Yashra Yash Chopra basically was Bollywood because yes. he both did the huge romantic films as well as the Angry Young Man, inaugurating mm -hmm. that. Like. The guy basically is Bollywood. Yes. And, and so, they, they're skirting around it because, like, we're up to probably the early 2000s now, late 90s mm -hmm. in the timeline. And Bollywood was in common parlance by the mid-70s. So, like, it's it's a little bit odd that they haven't mentioned it. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get there. But I do think that kind of, like, what, what impression did you have about kind of Yash Raj and Yash Chopra? early on when we started watching Bollywood. Uh, the Doom films? Yeah. Uh, DDLJ we watched fairly early. Um, yeah, like... But you had this... Just, a, just a, a good production company. Exactly, exactly. And so... Uh, and, and this show is certainly kind of confirming for me my initial... My initial feelings about all of this. Mm -hmm. And so the first two episodes that we've seen covers... Um, Yash Chopra's early career 
all the way up until um, kind of the success of DDLJ. And so I think the next couple episodes that I'm really looking forward to seeing are going to be kind of the aftermath of DDLJ. So we'll have Mohabitin, Delta Puggle High, uh, Vir Zara, uh, and then and then kind of yeah our modern era now. And the spy where, universe. They got to bring that up. Yeah, interestingly, um, you know th- they talk a bit about how Yash Chopra in kind of the seventies and the eighties wasn't necessarily interested in making these action movies that were doing really well. Shah Rukh Khan wanted to be an action hero, but then kind of. DGLJ forced him to be a romantic well, hero. Chopra and so tricked him into being a lover boy. Is yeah. basically what he's, he's very candid about it. So they're setting up a lot of kind of how Yash Raj has like really pushed this idea of romance um, and gone against the grain of action. And so I'll be interested to see when we get to Doom and Ek the Tiger mm-hmm. how they're going to talk about about that. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll also talk about kind of like Manny Sharma joining mm-hmm. um, Yash Raj and making, you know, some of those delightful romantic comedies. Uh, so the, the show has like an impressive list of talking heads. They were yeah. going to be able to talk to everyone. Some in- of them I don't really know why they're there yet. Like who? Like Amir Khan shows up for one line, basically. And he'll be important for Doom 3. Doom 3, yeah. And then was... Lasting Chada YRF? I don't know. No, 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 no. Like, he's probably done a few things there, but he's not as connected with the brand as, say, like, uh, uh, Shara Khan. Yeah. But, I mean, if you can get all three cons, don't you want all three cons? Well, I don't think Salman has shown up. Yeah, yes, Salman has showed up a bunch. He has shown up in previous, like, in scenes, but I don't think that he's been interviewed. Yes, we've seen him in the first two episodes. You sure? Yes. Okay, I'll have to go back and look, but I do not remember seeing him. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's... Saif is there, though. Yes. <laughs> there's Shower Khan, there's Amitabh Bachchan, there's Ranveer Singh, there's Karen Johar, Rani Mukherjee, and then Chopra's family, Uday Chopra, Pamela Chopra, and surprisingly, Aditya Chopra. I think, because, like, Pamela, they most... She was really interesting. She's great, yeah. Because uh, she was... It sounds like if Yash was the, the director, the producer, she was kind of the one who... Reminded him to go to parties and mm-hmm. knew everybody yeah. and kind of networked and could do that. She must have been significantly younger, though, too. Yes. And she had has a, had a lot of interest and influence in the music and then mm-hmm. also in in some of the stories as we Yeah, she wrote one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, as I, as I said, it's like it's a big surprise to see um, interviews with Aditya Chopra because he's famously... Uh, like not necessarily a recluse, I, I guess a recluse, but famously he, says he goes out to movie theaters every Friday. Yeah, yeah. So he but goes he out. But he wants to be anonymous. But he doesn't have a, a public persona. Yeah. He's not like Karen Johar, you know, hosting a talk show. He doesn't give yeah. interviews about his work. He's behind the scenes. He directs. He's fantastically rich and famous yes. though, and powerful. Re- he directs and produces the movies. He's responsible for one of. Um, if not the most famous Bollywood movie ever made. Befakra, you're wearing the shirt right now. <laughs> no. You're wearing the carb shirt as we speak. I am, no. Uh, DDLJ, obviously. Um, but again, like, he doesn't give... Justice for Befakra. Hashtag. <laughs> he doesn't give interviews. Uh, you know, he's just, like, he's interested in the art and the business. And so this is kind of, I think, one of the first times... Uh, that he's ever really spoken about his work, his career, yeah. his dad. He goes into his philosophy. Well, it's actually before he gets there, but it's 
Uh, Abhishek Bachchan talked about playing with him and Uday back in the day mm-hmm. and how their dads worked together. Yeah. And then kind of saying, like, he was kind of a little tyrant. We didn't actually like him that much. Yeah. And showing his notebooks where he would obsessively track mm-hmm. uh, movie data, that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, oh, this kid is, like, deep into the weeds. He's 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 in it for the love of the game. He doesn't... Well, he did marry a great, a very attractive movie star. But yes. that, like, that, that isn't why he got in it to begin with, presumably. Yeah. Yeah, the, the nepotism angle of the show is really interesting because a lot of the a lot of the talking ads, like Rithik Roshan, uh, will... They all grew up together. They all grew up together. Yeah, Abhishek Bakhtan, like, they all grew up together and so just kind of, like, even... Young Rithik was a huge nerdlinger. Like, you, you <laughs> yes. look at him and uh, he... I think he basically, like, grew a chin, and now yeah. he's the most handsome man in the world. But, like, back in the day, he kind of looked like a, a gawky teenager. But for them, you I know, love all the behind-the-scenes footage, uh, especially of a gas trapper's wedding. Yeah. Like, if you're a gas trapper, you're going to get one of your good cinematographers to do your wedding. I love all the... Because it looks great. I love all the baby pictures of Uday Chopra. <laughs> yeah. So that sort of access, you know, this is definitely... Under the YRF banner, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's going to be, for the most part, incredibly complimentary. But in return, you do get some kind of access that you probably wouldn't get if you were being more objective. Well, yeah. And and it's, it's, it's just interesting the way, you know, all these all these interview subjects just talk about how they were growing up. And it was just kind of everyone made movies. They were a filmy mm-hmm. family. They were all these filmy families that are everyone except for Shah Rukh. Yeah. All these filmy families that are connected and it's just kind of it's such a window into this world. Mm-hmm. Um I'm really enjoying the series so far. Uh it's definitely focusing more on again the romantic films that Yash Chopra made than kind of your Itafax, your Kalapatars, your Mashals, which are some of the movies I really love from him. They spend kind of the most time um, outside of his romantic filmography with Divar, mm-hmm. um, which is a movie that like... I Not think, a YRF movie. No, but so. I think I finally found subs for that so we can we can watch that. Um, but then it spends a lot more time on things like Kabi Kabi, Chandani, of course, Silsala, um, Lamhe. Yeah, Lamhe. And like these are iconic, gorgeous, just like impeccably made movies. But then you also get Aditya Chopra saying, like, I think if we cut this part of Lamhe, people would have liked it. Yeah. So it is kind of that sort of uh, craftsman attitude where yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, the magic of movies. And he's just sort of like, yeah, that could have done a lot better. People didn't like that marrying the daughter angle. Yeah. That that bugged people. And I still wonder about it. Like, that's what he says. Mm-hmm. So I kind of appreciate his sort of, not cynicism, but kind of hard-nosed approach to it. Well, it will... I think that's really interesting. And we're not, we don't get that any other time. Yeah. And, and so I will be interested if it does, like, cover Bethic Ray, which was a Ditya Chopra's last film. And we're big fans i'll be interested to see if he also has a yeah. <laughs> has a hot take on on how you on how that should have had more hit. ranveer sings ass <laughs> um there's also some uh in addition to the actor talking heads which i mean they shark is great i yeah. i really like learning about him amitab you get a little bit but maybe mohammedan you'll get a bit more if, when they talk about that mm-hmm. but a lot of them like ranveer kapoor talking about how important this movie was and how much he wanted to be Raj from DDLJ. Okay, sure. Like, it certainly informed your character in Yedivani Hajivani. Or- There's also, like, people who, like, 
who were involved in 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 the early days yes. and and, making and journalists too. Yes. The, so notably, yes. Anna Pema Chopra. Yes, um, I think some of my favorite interview moments are with that we've seen so far are with Rishi Kapoor. Yes, that's, um, and Nitu Singh. Because yeah, he's a he's a great get and yeah, did a well, lot of the early films and you know when he some of the last footage we'll see from him. Well, right? exactly when he showed up on screen, my heart kind of skipped a beat. This is yeah probably the last time we're going to see him new stuff at least yeah and and him talking so lovingly about the movies that he that he made with yash chopra again cabby cabby uh you know i really almost no mention of shashi and shami though because shashi was in cabby cabby i think right i don't remember because him and him and bachan did quite a few movies together in late 70s so i would be kind of curious to know about that because it would be interesting to hear more about the the Kapoor's and the Chopras, right? But it it it's its focus is on the romantic films by the Chopras. Yes. Yes, and, and on the artistry and the highs and lows. As a lover of Bollywood, this 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 show feels like such a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, do you think it would be a good intro point for people who don't know a lot about well, here's the Bollywood thing. and Indian cinema? There's probably rights issues based on what I would want them to do. Mm. But if they could also acquire the YRF kind of like main catalog and have it on Netflix as well, because mm-hmm. that's what they did with uh, Five Came Back, the yeah. Mark Harris documentary. And I think it's really important to, when you're doing this documentary, to have the stuff available. I was yeah. harping on this in the last thing too. Yeah. But like, it, you know, Netflix, I feel, should have an obligation, really, mm. to not only support this project by funding it, but also make some of those movies a bit more accessible. I think the YRF... It's going to be difficult, because the YRF was on Netflix for a long time. Well, I think it's largely with Amazon at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So, rights issues and moving around, but it would have been great to be able to just, uh, you know, shoot on over to Chandani afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I'm enjoying it. It's... It's certainly much more in the Talking Heads documentary style with some sort of narration and kind of like historical footage and... The archival stuff is really... Yeah. Is, is a real joy. Especially sure. hearing Yash Chopra's sort of more radical bent in his early movies and how he's mm-hmm. reacting to the emergency, which leads to Dewar. That was interesting. I, I, I think I almost liked the the technique better of Cinema Marte Dumb Talk of like mm. uh, I jokingly said earlier that it's the act of killing version but like <laughs> right. when you're talking about filmmakers actually seeing them make a film is mm. really interesting yeah that's fair although again like there's some incredible behind the scenes footage of them making like DDLJ and Dar and stuff it basically seemed like Yes Chopra was on set and all these young kids are just <laughs> annoying him all the time I really just, just messing I really him. love that Aditya Chopra's like holding the umbrella mm-hmm. is it for for Kajal or I for, think it was or for, is it for Jui Chawla regardless it's just hilarious it's also funny that Uday <laughs> and Karen Johar are both like we were terrible assistant directors <laughs> Aditya actually went and did all his own work and we just dicked around. And they made the most, like, imp- again, one of the most, if not the most important Bollywood film ever made. And I think the explanation of why DGLJ hits so well, yeah. because Chopra, obviously, Aditya, uh, grew up in a filmy family and was interested in 
He said he wanted his own people around him. That's yeah. why he makes Uday come back to work with him. And that's why Karen, who's been around, is there. Yeah. And he said that he couldn't, in good conscience, make another Romeo and Juliet movie where the heroine gets taken away from her family. Mm-hmm. Like, what does the next 20 years of their life look like? Yeah. And he said, I had to have the, the dad like it, which, you know, kind of makes sense considering your dad is an important man. Yeah. So that was interesting look at it, which... You know, that aspect of the Indian experience we almost never get, like, mm-hmm. that sort of really family-focused, like, we could see it in the movies, but it's not something we personally experienced, so having backup on that makes sense. I think I think this show is, is really finding the right balance between... Hagiography? Well, but, yeah, but between, like, nostalgia, like, so people who grew up watching these movies... Um, are going to enjoy the nostalgic aspects between kind of setting the stage and making you understand kind of the industry Mm -hmm. and the time periods and the movements and kind of what was going on in Indian culture to kind of that that Chopra that both Chopras and the studio are reacting to so they're really setting putting things in context and then yeah celebrating the artistry of these filmmakers mm-hmm. and so i think from that it's a sense, really slick production too it's yeah it's super slick and so i think um that you can kind of come into it anywhere like with any knowledge of bollywood yeah i, I think, think yeah. you can easily kind of come into it if you were interested in film in general yeah and find it interesting so yes. whether you're like a diehard fan. Like I think Paul could probably watch this. He probably yeah. I think he'd my get a kick my trash in yeah. the movies co-host. Like yeah. I did. I have seen some kind of reaction again from people who haven't seen it of just kind of like, oh, you know, don't forget that like Yash Chopra made like Kalapatar and Itifak and stuff like that. And I like those movies. It touches too. on those, but not as much as we would like. If but I could, if I, I could ask the director a question, I may ask. Yeah. Did you focus more on some of the social issue films or? Was it always along that you were going to go romantic as much as you could? Yeah, but I do think the arc of the show, like, I can see where it's going. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 interesting to watch the development of a company. Can you get some of the people who work there? Yeah. Sort of like all the various documentaries and things I'll watch about the Disney well, Corporation, you know? Well, I'm talking about the importance of, like, not just the director, but, like, everyone involved and and the producing and you know and it's such you know it's such a family affair again like pamela chopra she she's the plot for cabby cabby i really want to this is it made me really want to rewatch cabby cabby yes it's a really well they talked about it for like 15 minutes too yeah and i I think that's the movie they focus the most on other than other than ddlj which makes sense yeah based on how well they did yeah so yeah we're a fan of both of these shows excited to see the next two episodes of the romantics um, yeah give us access to those short films though you know i just want to see what they were like yeah from, it just seems like a waste of time if we don't actually see the end product yeah from cinema marte Dantac. yeah obviously they're like they might not all be on um netflix but you can access yeah. the yrf films if you have the same apps that we do yeah like those are not hard to find but these weird C-grade quasi-pornos, like, that's a bit tougher to find. Yes. And I think it makes that premiere and everything a little bit less special that we never actually see the yeah. final product. But I'm excited that, um, that projects like this are coming out because, you know, we've been at this. We've been watching 
Bollywood movies for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And when we first started, um, you know, we kind of... We read books. Yeah, we bought every book we could get a hold of to try and find um, more out about this industry, to find out more about the history of this industry. And as you kind of as as we've been watching Bollywood movies for the past 10 years, just more and more has been made accessible more and more criticism more and more yeah. film history and so to have these kind of, to have both of these shows just like easily accessible on streaming services to just kind of discuss mainline streaming services yeah too. you don't even need to get yeah the eros now to, to discuss the stuff we love i mean that's why we started this show yeah because we didn't Our have work is over and we didn't have access or an outlet for this stuff and now like it's it's just it's so like the past 10 years it's weird how there's just so much more available that you can just like watch you know they have those the movies that made us thing on on netflix about like popular like 80s hollywood movies so it's nice that we're starting to get that treatment or even madari dixit's the fame game like more behind the scenes stuff yeah um i i really like that uh it's it's weird though even when you watch the Oscars and they take that 10 minutes, they're just like, here's what's going on at the Academy Museum. And like how little the industry thinks about its past yeah. in in the West. Whereas in India, they really do like try and do a good job of it. It's just that the films themselves have not been kept in the greatest shape. Well, yeah. And and that is one of the, the great things about YRF is that like... They, they keep their their stuff available. Yeah, yeah. This catalog is accessible, and I think every transfer we've ever seen of a wire film looks great. A yeah. lot of that was on Netflix. Yeah, just recently. Yeah, but the um, the romantics, especially um, providing us who you know again are white Canadians with a lot of that cultural context. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also that's another reason why I find the show really informative and useful. I think Paul should watch it because he has no. <laughs> cultural context next to no cultural context about it sure, so if, sure. he, if he finds it interesting i mean that would be great but for people who already like Bollywood movies much less yrf movies like it's a no-brainer like, yeah you should just watch it so that brings us to the end of this episode uh we will be back in a couple of weeks and uh what will we be doing then matt uh it's that time again uh basketball season's uh, starting up <laughs> So that means it's Madhuri Madness. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know what we're doing for it, but we'll be presumably watching some Madhuri Dixit films. Yes. All March, it's going to be Madhuri Dixit. It's Madhuri Madness. It's our annual. This is our second annual, second annual. celebration of all things Madhuri Dixit. Uh, so that will be out in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, Matt, how can people get up with the show? Bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash Bollywood is for lovers at Bollywood Pod. Yeah. At Bollywood Pod on Twitter. I'm Matt underscore B O W E S. I'm Matt Erin E. Fraser, E R N E F R E S E R. It sounded like it's... you said I'm I'm Matt. I'm at. There you go. <laughs> I'm at Erin E. Fraser. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a uh, star rating and a review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, if it's not on Apple, just like shoot us a message and let us know, uh, and then you can get your biffle points. Uh, while you're doing that, you can also check out my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art in the Movies. We you just change, like, you changed the format. Yeah, we just changed up our format, so it'd be a good time to to start listening if you haven't already. So it's still weekly. So one it's week is alter- what you've been watched don't recently, and then the next one is the matchup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we want to thank Becca Dalkey for our artwork, and uh, yeah, that's it.